was a kid, um, some well-meaning but not very sensitive um, people in the church that I was in used to talk about persecution and all the details. And I was a little child and I thought, do I really want to be a Christian? But I got it all wrong, you see. Um, My father and I were walking through a field and I got words muddled up and it said trespasses will be prosecuted and of course I thought it was trespasses will be persecuted (laughs) it took my father a long time to persuade me that nobody was going to come and beat me up because I'd crossed a field (laughs) okay let's get down to business I'll read the passage first it was a good place to start isn't it now when Jesus saw the crowds he went up on a mountainside and sat down His disciples came to him and he began to teach them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit. Theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn. They will be comforted. Blessed are the meek. They'll inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called sons of God. That's lovely, isn't it? That's really good. And suddenly into this comes that jarring note. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness. It, like, it takes you back, doesn't it? This is not, not so nice, folks. This is a jarring word that comes into the middle of it. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad. What? Because great is your reward in heaven. For in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Then it goes on to talk about salt and light. Just hang on a minute. There is nothing worse than landing your notes on the floor in the middle of when you're speaking. And everybody's looking at your notes on the floor. Jesus was talking to his disciples one day and he said... I'm going back to heaven and things are not going to be so easy now. You know, we've been warned that things will not all be hunky-dory. And then Jesus said, I'm going away. I have told you these things so that you will have peace. In this world you will have trouble. But take heart, I have overcome the world. He told them he was going away. He told them things are going to be difficult. And he said, I've told you these things so that you will have peace. It's a bit sort of ambivalent, isn't it? It's like a heavenly health warning. So what is the reality? What do we mean by persecution? Once again, I turn to the good old Oxford Dictionary. Persecution is defined as loss because of belief, loss of job, reputation, loss of property, loss of life, loss of rights. It includes mocking, jeering, persistent harassment, oppression, ill-treatment, physical injury which may be fatal or life-changing. It's not a pretty picture, is it? We have been warned. It says, rejoice. 
in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. So let's think about the prophets. Why were they persecuted? This is not people not liking us and being irritated by us and being not very kind. This is something much deeper. This is because of Christ, because of righteousness. So what was happening to the prophets? What had they done? Israel was in a sorry state at the time of the prophets, the Old Testament prophets. Israel had turned its back on God, was following gods of other nations, had turned away from God's truth, forgotten who they were, their precious identity. They were doing their own thing big time. And the prophets were sent from God to pull them back into line. Why? Because of righteousness. Let's look at righteousness for a minute before we talk about the prophets. Psalm 23, he leads me in the paths of righteousness and it tells us why. For his name's sake. For his name's sake. When we walk in God's ways, we are displaying who he is, maybe in a small way. Walking in the right paths brings glory to the name of the Lord. He leads me in paths of righteousness, not for the fun of it, also I feel good, for his namesake. So the name of God was being dishonored by Israel in the Old Testament. They were bringing shame to the name of God. They professed to be his special people, but they were bringing shame to his name. So what did the prophets do? They spoke the truth. They spoke out against disobedience and wrongdoing. They sometimes demonstrated what God was going to do in the weirdest ways imaginable. But they believed what God was telling them and they were obedient. Right held against the disobedience of Israel. They brought God's word to the situation. They preached repentance. You can't carry on like this. It has consequences. You need to turn your lives right round and come back to God. They passed on what God said about the consequences. I've been reading in the, in the Minor Prophets and the judgment that's going to come on all the nations. And Israel thought, yeah, let's get them back. And suddenly God said, yes, and you. He showed the way out. It wasn't just all judgment and doom and gloom. The prophets showed the way out. They preached God's love. God was saying, but I still love them. I still want them to come back to me. I'm still calling them back to me. And it was as if Israel had their hands over their ears. They were saying, we really don't want to know this. We really don't want to know. We really want to go our own way. Doesn't that sound familiar in the world in which we live? Doesn't it sound familiar? And you know, part of this passage is about salt and light. And I don't know if this is somebody else's sermon, but hey, I'm going to tread on it anyway. We've got Christmas in between. <laughs> why? Why, oh why? What happens? Why are people persecuted? Because we are the salt of the earth. And salt, you know, I said to God once, I just don't fit in. Somehow I don't fit in. 
And very clearly I felt him saying, yes, but I didn't send you to be sugar, to be stirred in and everything's nice and sweet. I sent you to be salt. And salt has an abrasive quality, an antiseptic quality. It brings a different flavor and it brings out flavors that are already there. It exposes flavors that are already there. We are salt in this world. And it's not going to make us very popular. We are light. We shine God's light. You don't realize how different you are. When you're following God's ways, you've got no idea the impression it has on other people. You don't know how different you are. We shine light into situations and it can make people very uncomfortable. But hey, it says, let your light shine before men that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. And you know, sometimes it's all very well when you do the good deeds and everybody thinks it's wonderful and that's absolutely great. But the minute you touch a nerve, the minute you start exposing wrong, the minute you stand up for the right, it's not going to be comfortable. And you don't expect to be loved for exposing where people are at with God. The Holy Spirit works in people's hearts, and yes, sometimes they're ready to receive the message. What happened to Jesus then? (laughs) In Hebrews it says, Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning at shame. Consider him who endured such contradiction of sinful men so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Here was the creator of the world, the son of God himself. What happened? They contradicted him. They didn't believe him. They didn't believe God himself. It's shades of the Old Testament again, isn't it? Hands over their ears. No, we don't want to hear this. We want to go our own way. We don't want to hear this. He was mocked, he was jeered, he was crucified. For the joy set before him. I think we need to bring a perspective into this business of persecution. Yeah, I know our hearts are heavy this morning, talking about our brothers and sisters, and remember they are our brothers and sisters. So it happened to Jesus. New Testament times, so we've got the prophets, they were persecuted. Jesus himself. New Testament times, talk about Paul and Silas. They healed a lady, and what do they do? Put him in prison, beat them up, put them in prison. Paul seems to be forever in court. There were attempts made to silence the spread of God's word, false accusations, ruined reputations, and martyrdom. And in Acts 5 it says, they rejoiced that they were counted worthy of suffering disgrace for his name. It's incongruous, isn't it? You're persecuted? Okay, folks, rejoice. No wonder we call peculiar people. What happened to Stephen? What happened to Stephen? He paid the ultimate price. But what was his attitude? How was he able to forgive people who were stoning him 
And again, in the church where I was brought up, I heard a very vivid description of stoning, and I wish I'd never heard it because it stayed with me. It's hideous, absolutely hideous. But Stephen forgave those who were killing him. How was he able to do that? Because he had a glimpse of heaven. Because he'd seen Jesus. Because he knew where he was going. And in his heart, he would have been rejoicing and ready to go. So what about today? What about today? It seems far away and distant from us sometimes. People who are persecuted. In last month's um, Christian Solidarity Worldwide, which is similar to Open Doors magazine, it says, Christians and church leaders in particular are primary targets for abduction and extortion. You don't know what you've taken on, Pete. With at least 12 clergy losing their lives, at least 12 clergy losing their lives in the first few months of this year. Several more were murdered even after uh, ransoms were paid. There are so many church leaders and pastors in prison. What can we do? Pray. Pray and do something about it. Speak up. CSW Open Doors have got resources right to the MPs. There are MPs who are working so hard, who are in contact with CSW and Open Doors, who are working so hard to bring some political solutions, to bring religious freedom, as they call it, in these countries. It used to worry me. I used to think, what will happen? What would happen if I was being persecuted if I was put in prison how did they cope with it I dare say if you'd have said to Stephen two or three years before he was martyred you know this could happen to you he just come on come on I'm happy serving at tables I'm filled with the Holy Spirit and life is going well but at the time that he needed it God gave him the strength and the grace And this is what happens to our brothers and sisters. This is what would happen to us. Can you imagine how we'd feel if any of our leaders, if you, Greg, any of our leaders, Alistair, Pete, were in prison. They were being beaten up just because they were our leaders. We would pray that God would give them the grace and the comfort in their persecution. And that's what we must be doing daily for those of our brothers and sisters who need to feel that support, that uplifting comfort of the Lord. So there is something we can do. So what about now? How about us? Do you know, sometimes in a very small way, persecution is mild. Sometimes we annoy people and they get at us. But you know there are some people in this country who are suffering for their faith. Um, There was a young lad came to our church when I was in the youth group many years ago. And he was a real 
rough diamond, as they said. He was a right wild one. And somebody in his um, office brought him to church. And you know, that lad was saved. They said he got up from his knees after he prayed and he was absolutely transformed. He was just, it was no doubt about his salvation. And straight away he said, I want to be baptized. And he went home and told his parents and they threw him out. He was 16. He didn't give in. He didn't say, well, that's all right, I'll wait. That's all right, well, maybe. And do I really have to be baptized? He said, I'm going to be baptized. He was, he was thrown out of his home. I've heard only recently to somebody who I knew very, very, very well. And their son didn't believe quite the same way as they did. Um, They were quite legalistic. And he decided he would go in for the Church of England ministry. He felt God had called him to ministry. This is recent. He was never allowed back in the family home again, and his parents cut him off completely. I left a similar church, and it was two years before my family spoke to me. I was cut off, and relationships were never the same. When God speaks to your heart, when God gives you something that you cannot let go, when you've found that pearl of the kingdom, you're not going to let it go. You're not going to let it go. And cost what it might, you're going to keep going. You're going to hang on to it. Have you ever been falsely accused because you're a Christian? Have you been sidelined, overlooked for promotion? What are you going to do about it? How do you feel? You know what you should be doing? You should rejoice. (laughs) You don't rejoice in the horrible things that are happening to you. (laughs) Nobody wants to be persecuted. I know people have said... um, that if the church was more, pus- well, more persecuted, it would stand up and be counted. And there were times when the church grew, specifically in Acts, it said there was a time of peace and the church grew, strengthened by the Holy Spirit. Don't look for persecution. That's not something that you would enjoy. We don't rejoice in persecution, but we rejoice because we are worthy to suffer disgrace for his name because he's given us something that we're not going to let go of. We rejoice because we have a hope, a future. It says, for I consider, have I got it? Our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. For what is seen is temporal, but what is unseen is eternal. There's something ahead of us. In Romans it says, I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. And we just have mild annoyances here, don't we? People who really don't want to be our friends because we're different. There was a neighbour over the road from me um, at the time when my father died many years ago. And I had never ever said her anything to her about the Lord. 
one day she said to me, of course it's easy for you because you've got a faith, haven't you? And it's like, where did that come from? We are different. We can be a reproach. What we're told to do is not to retaliate. And when Jesus said, turn the other cheek, it's not if somebody hits you, turn your cheek and let them hit the other side. It's a figure of speech. It's like we don't go plucking eyes out and cutting hands off. It's what we call hyperbole. It's excessive, over-the-top expression so that you understand that this, this is serious business. Don't retaliate. It's as if you turn the other cheek. Don't try and get your own back. Vengeance belongs to the Lord. Pray. We are witnesses by our attitude when things go wrong. And forgiveness went all the way to the cross. Forgiveness went all the way to the cross. By not forgiving people who give you a hard time because you're a Christian, you're just making yourself bitter. You're just tying yourself to difficult circumstances. You never know how much you witness to other people. For years, I felt very guilty that when I was a student, there were things that I didn't do, and I wouldn't go here, and I wouldn't go there, and I wouldn't do this, and I wouldn't join in with that. And for years afterwards, that's all I could remember. And I remember thinking, my witness was very negative. I don't do this, and I don't do that. What did I give them of Jesus? 21 years later, we had a reunion And we were driving in the car and the girl in the back was saying to the other girl, of course, her husband had died. She said, of course, my James was dying and he didn't know Jesus. So I prayed in tongues and then I spoke to him and I was like, the last time I'd seen her, she was smoking pot and meditating and doing all sorts of weird things. And I said, you're looking in the wrong place, girl. And I had worried because I felt I had been so negative. Then the girl next to me said, oh, and I became a Christian when I went to a friend's baptism. And you know, Katie, she's running a house group in Bristol, and I just could not believe it. When we dropped the other girl off, these two ladies said, can we pray with you, please? And they prayed, and they asked God's forgiveness for giving me a hard time. Now, I had thought that my witness was totally negative, but they said, you had something and you clung on to it. Don't give up. You might think you've put your foot in it. Don't give up. Walk in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Rejoice. Your reward is coming. Let's go back. And look at the Beatitudes again. Let's take another look at them. Marion nearly pinched this from me the other week. Suddenly it dawned on me, there's a progression here. This is just not a list of nice things that will happen if you do this and you do that. There's a progression. Let's go through it. It says, blessed are the poor in spirit. That's when we realize we haven't got it right. That's when we realize we've messed up big time and we need help. 
in desperation, we've longed for God as the Holy Spirit shows us how weak and sinful we are. And we mourn those things that are wrong in us. Yes, we mourn about the situation in the world. Let's make this personal. We mourn about how wrong we've got it. And this is what God is waiting for. He will comfort us. And as he comforts us, we realize that he's not standing over us with a big stick, but he's meek and gentle. He said, my yoke is easy, my burden's light. I'm not standing over you with a big stick. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. We see in God his gentleness. We understand that he's not standing over us with a big stick. And we say, right, Lord, we want to walk in your ways. We want to walk in right ways. You'll be satisfied. And as we seek to do God's ways, as we seek to do the right thing in the way that he wants us to do, We'll be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful. They'll be shown mercy. We understand God's mercy. Our arrogance has long since gone. The I can do it, I'll do it my way, has long since gone. And we understand that other people need our mercy and God's mercy. Val talked to us about being pure in heart. She held up a bottle of dirty water. You know, we need to come for daily cleansing. And as we come for daily cleansing to God, as the the dirty things, the things that annoy us, the things that go wrong, sort of muck up our lives and spoil our relationship with God, we come back to him. And as he purifies our lives, more and more we see him. We hear him more clearly. We can see him. We understand more about God. And he's vast. There's so much more to understand. It's a growing thing. We don't get the first beatitude and then we move on to the next because we've done that. And then we move on to the next. We've done that. This is a continual toing and froing. This is a daily thing. When we become closer to God, We will become peacemakers. Then we will be able to rejoice in persecution. This is what changes us. It's the whole picture. It starts with knowing ourselves and coming to God and let him work in our lives. Then persecution looks different. We operate in a different way. We have a different perspective. We're prepared and willing to be salt and light. Hebrews 12, we press towards the mark for the prize of the high calling of God. We're his children, his loved sons and daughters. As we, as we say, yes, Lord, I want to walk in your ways, Whatever it cost, we're responding to that love that went to the cross. We're not weak. We're not weak. We are being turned into the image of God himself.
Last week, Emily read us the vision poem for, um, that's put out by mm, 24-7 Prayer. Sorry. And that can stay on the floor. It's all right. Let me just get the verse. Yeah. And one of the lines says, talking about believers who pray, this is an army that will lay down its life for the cause. A million times a day its soldiers choose to lose that they might one day win the great well done of faithful sons and daughters. Do you know that's what I want when I get to heaven, that there will be reason for the Lord to say well done. And it talks about an army. We're together in this. You remember how the Romans, they would hold up their their sword so that there was a solid wall of defense. But we can't be an army till we know each other and we know what it is to work with each other and pray with each other. So that should we have to face persecution as it is in other countries, should we have to, we can stand still we can still keep standing solid as an army together. We always pray that it doesn't come here. We don't want persecution. But let us in our hearts be willing to move forward. Remember Stephen, for a glimpse of Jesus, for a glimpse of seeing where he was going, he could forgive and lay down his life. Let's walk in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Let's not dishonor the name of the Lord. As I said, you know, people, they're willing for you to do your good works. And yeah, that's very nice, isn't it? But you start being salt and light. You start showing up where they're not. You start touching consciences And it doesn't go quite so smoothly again. What do we do? Do we give up the good works? Do we give up preaching that God needs us to repent? God calls us to repentance. Otherwise, there are consequences. On Peter 4, dear friends, do not be surprised at the faintness painful trial you're suffering as though something strange were happening to you but rejoice that you participate in the sufferings of Christ so that you may be overjoyed when his glory is revealed if you are insulted because of the name of Christ you are blessed for the spirit of glory and of God rests on you if you suffer as a Christian do not be ashamed But praise God that you bear that name. So then those who suffer according to God's will should commit themselves to their faithful creator and continue to do good. You don't hold back. You don't hold back for fear. Do the good works. Yeah, that's absolutely fine. And sometimes it is a link. We all know we're building bridges. We don't 
make friendships with an ulterior motive. Oh, maybe I'll get them along to church. It's not like that. We build friendships because we love with the love that he's given us. And if the time comes when we have the opportunity to speak or to point out or to stand up for things that are wrong, don't let's be like Israel of old, taking on the culture around us. So many things need to be spoken out about by the church. So many things are absolutely against what God's word says. Don't let's be afraid to speak out so that we keep friendships. Let's walk in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Shall we pray? Thank you, Lord, for your word. Thank you that it is totally realistic and totally honest. And we were warned that life would not be easy. That following you could be a hard path. But with that warning comes the comfort of your peace. Lord, we just pray that this will become reality in us that we will daily move through almost that list, move through that path that you have shown us is the kingdom way of living, that we will not hold back, that we will do good works because we love with your love, but when it's right that we will speak out without fear, without dreading the consequences, because we know that whatever happens We have a hope, and we're going home to glory. And one day, we'll hear that well done. Amen.